Welcome to the Global Careers Podcast, sponsored by GW Cyber, the source for inspiring stories from seasoned professionals who've embraced a global role and reaped the benefits. We offer practical advice and insider tips across a broad swath of industries and fields around the world. You know, whether or not you've considered moving abroad or taking on an international role, globalization will impact your career. So join us for a lively discussion as we explore what an international career really means. My name is Stacey nevadomsky Burdan, and I'll be your host. In season two, we find ourselves in a fast-changing world, still affected by the pandemic, where we must adapt to succeed. Come with us as we share with you how to craft your place in the new global workspace. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Claire Meyer, a consultant at Business Performance Institute in Milan, Italy. Claire is relatively new to this position, but has spent many years studying and working in Europe. Although Claire grew up in St. Louis, she opted to study abroad in Spain for her undergraduate degree in international business, and then went on to complete her MBA at Sta Bocconi in Milan, with a semester abroad in China. Claire speaks Italian, Spanish, and English, and has been passionate about having a global career for as long as she can remember. Welcome, Claire. I'm so excited to have you on to discuss your global journey so far. Thank you, Stacey. It's great to be here today. Great. Let's get started. So one of the objectives of this podcast is to provide a sense of the global careers and pathways that are out there. You're currently working in Milan. Tell us about your journey, as well as what you do now, your role with BPI. Sure. So as you said, my name is Claire Meyer, and I'm a consultant at Business Performance Institute in Milan. So this is really a boutique European consulting uh, company, and we work on projects that are focused mainly on learning and development. Um, So what we do is we design custom, what we call learning journeys for major multinational healthcare companies. So definitely very dynamic, interesting work. Um, You know, you may be wondering how a girl from the Midwest ended up in Milan, Italy, Um, So I'm 30 now, and I think this goes back to when I was 19. I actually stepped on a plane to go uh, be an exchange student in Sardinia, Italy. And then I ultimately went to do four years in Madrid, Spain, to earn my undergraduate in international business. Uh, Went back to the U.S. to work for a few years and then came back to Europe in uh, 2019 to earn my MBA from Sabocconi in Milan. So it's been a super crazy, windy, uh, you know, international journey, but but very happy to be here today to share more about it. That's wonderful. So for students who are interested in the path you've taken, right, pursuing a global career, starting with undergraduate study abroad, um, what are the benefits of that, studying, interning abroad as a stepping stone to working abroad? Absolutely. Yeah, I think I think just to kind of summarize some of the experiences I've had, I did spend those four years in Madrid as an as a student. And then I did also did an internship in Qatar. I did my MBA in Milan. And then, like you said in the introduction, I did a semester in China. Um, so I'm fortunate to have had, a, you know, quite a few different experiences. I think there's a couple of different benefits in terms of studying and working, studying and interning abroad to then being able to work abroad. One is just kind of a snowball effect. I think a lot of times international employers feel much more comfortable employing someone who has experience living abroad and who has already proved that they're able to adapt to different environments. Um, I think the, the second thing that I would point out is I think specifically when it comes to being able to work abroad, I think the most effective educational tool that I found, um, you know, in my experience was really the MBA. One, because the MBA itself is an extremely pragmatic degree. 
it's really just an excellent pipeline to employers in general, but also especially to international employers if you get your MBA abroad. Um, you know, these employers, I was I would say, you know, as opposed to as opposed to just hiring someone out of the blue, employers who are specifically recruiting MBAs are much more willing, I would say, to to sponsor you. Um, and they have dedicated kind of recruitment processes and programs in place to do so. So, you know, through my MBA, I saw people go on to work in almost every industry. You know, the, the typical ones you see are consulting, finance, but then also tech, healthcare, food and beverage. Um, so I think, you know, again, especially for those Americans, you know, who want to go work in Europe, for example, I think I think getting the MBA is a really, really smart move. Um, and I saw a lot of, you know, both myself, but then other non-Europeans making the transition and the leap to Europe through the MBA program. That's really interesting. How how easy, difficult, what's the process for applying to an MBA program, um, particularly in, in Italy, but anywhere in Europe, if you know? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question, Stacey. I would say more or less, I would give about a year to kind of prep the application because you have, you do, you do a couple of different things before an MBA one is you just research the schools and there's, you know, there's quite a lot of, you know, different schools and different personalities of schools. And it's good to really familiarize yourself with each of them. Um, but then two, you have to go through the whole application process in terms of taking the GMAT. So that takes, that takes quite a bit of time. I would say three to five months of prep specifically for that. You have to tailor all the essays. You have to get letters of recommendation um, you know, in some cases, you know, if you're, if you're able to go visit a school, I think that's often recommended. So it is quite a lengthy process, but, um, I think it's, it's well worth it. Uh, and were your classes in English or Italian at Stapoconi? My classes were in English. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of, um, chitter chatter in Italian in the hallways because our cohort of about, we had, we were about a hundred students and I would say about 30 of them were Italian. Um, so there was definitely a lot of, you know, small talk in Italian, but the actual classes were all in English. Well, that's good. So so students interested in this path, um, um, not only the university you attended, but many across Europe, um, it's my understanding, too, that they're done in English so that they can apply, they can take the time, and then, of course, study the language um, while they're there, too. Not only understand exactly. the chit-chat, but really to, to understand the benefits. But No, absolutely. You you mentioned that you graduated in um, 2019. So you, you proceeded in 2019 before the pandemic hit. How feasible is it for students today, do you think, to take a similar path? I think it's still uh, quite feasible. It's funny, I was actually back at Stabocconi um, the other day, you know, as part of our kind of welcome opening ceremony. And I was talking with the recruiter there and she said, actually, applications have gone up because of the pandemic. You know, I think a lot of times um, because of the pandemic, people are rethinking their priorities and and looking to, um, you know, looking to go back to education and kind of reposition themselves. So I don't think it's off. I don't think it's, it's um, you know, something that has become, I, I don't know, I, I think there's still a lot of opportunity to go do this abroad. Um, I would say for those that were kind of in the height of the pandemic, it was really tough because, you know, obviously one of the biggest values of the MBA is just networking and, and getting to, you know, hang out with your classmates, getting to travel, uh, getting to go to events. So I think that was really, really tough at the height of the pandemic. But I think now, fingers crossed, we're at a place where um, I think people can more comfortably apply abroad, knowing that uh, more or less, you know, the the Bocconi, for example, is is back full swing. Um, They do have a couple of hybrid experiences built in, but for the most part, they're back face to face. That's great to know. Wonderful. 
Um, so as a consultant, um, what skills are critical for new hires or people entering your field? Yes, absolutely. So I think in consulting, this might sound obvious, but just kind of general digital literacy, especially when it comes to Excel and PowerPoint, those are kind of the two biggest tools that we're drawing on. I think specifically for uh, strategy consulting, you really need to have a strong uh, financial acumen and ability to uh, do financial modeling. That's that's very important. Um, I would say also, uh, you know, another thing that's very important is just critical thinking, the ability to analyze problems, the ability to pull out the so what of an analysis, I would say is extremely important. Um, and then I think, you know, something else that might not be immediately obvious is just stakeholder management and engagement. I would say having a high level of EQ is important because you are dealing with, you know, you're dealing with a lot of different players, both on, on your team, but then at the client's team, they have a lot of different demands. And I think you need to be able to, you know, to manage those and to negotiate with them a little bit and also to make sure that you're fully satisfying them. So um, those, those are, you know, what I've, what I have observed in the consulting world. That's interesting. Um, are there any, um, so those, you gave a nice mix of soft skills as well as technical skills, but are there any skills that stand out as particularly important to working internationally or even studying internationally? Cause, cause let's, let's take it beyond for our listeners. Yeah, I think, I think a couple of things. I mean, I think one kind of goes back to stakeholder engagement more in terms of, I would say, a level of emotional intelligence and sensitivity, I think, is really important in a super international environment. Um, also, being able to really tailor your, tailor your message to the different audiences that you're with, and, and recognizing what, for example, a non-native English speaker would would understand from your speech pattern, things like that, I think, is very important. And then I would add resilience. Um, I think I think obviously you're going to be put in a lot of different situations that you're not necessarily comfortable in or that you haven't experienced before. And just being able to kind of, um, you know, being able to adapt and work through those, I think, is really important. I mean, I think the only other point I would add is I think um, I think that there are ways to kind of become more internationally literate, so to speak, or more multicultural, even by staying home, right? By you know, you could go to different different restaurants or you could watch different films on Netflix, things like that. I think I've saw that a lot with my classmates. So there was a lot of Italian classmates that I had that I felt were like borderline American. And they had just spent tons of time trying to familiarize themselves with American culture, watching Netflix online, um, you know, trying to connect with Americans that were living in Italy. So I do think that there are some ways to do this already just um, wherever you're currently based. Right. That's a great point. And of course, the internet opens up tons of opportunities for all kinds of things, even learning a language online, although nothing beats full immersion. But um, that's a great, great tip. I want to go back to the the uh, emotional intelligence. That must be really difficult to do. It's It's one thing to do it within your own culture where you understand all the cues. Is it really much more difficult to do in another culture where you don't really understand everything? It doesn't come to you as naturally. How does that how does that play out? Yeah, I think it's a I think it's a fair call out. I think this is kind of something that you learn to develop with practice, truthfully. When I think back to my MBA on day one, I was put in a group with someone from India, someone from Italy, someone from Poland, someone from Iran, um, and someone from Greece. And I think truthfully, there was a lot of butting heads and questioning and uncertainty and kind of um I, I think by working with that group over time, 
I learned to develop more sensitivity and awareness to these different, you know, these different cultures, these different backgrounds. And I think it is something that's hard to develop until you're really put into situations to practice it and, and develop it. Um, but yeah, no, I do, I do view that as a, as a very important skill to have. Yeah, that's interesting. That's really interesting. So some of the trends, workplace trends that have emerged in the past year, uh, remote work, hybrid schedules, um, new applications for tech across all fields. You know, tell me, Claire, what are you seeing and what have you experienced um, and how will these trends affect the future of work? Sure. I mean, I think, you know, Stacey, to be totally honest, I think one trend that I'm very, very excited about is this um, increased trend of working from anywhere, the WFA, you know, trend. I think it's really, really exciting. So just to give you a little bit of a flavor, back in 2020, when the pandemic hit, I was based in Switzerland working for Anheuser-Busch InBev out of my MBA. But during that period of COVID, I went to work for four months from Milan. I went to work for three months from my hometown of St. Louis and then two months in Sardinia, where my partner is based. And then I also, you know, I had friends that were based all over the world that were kind of taking advantage of the situation. I had another friend from the U.S., who actually worked remotely for an American company, but took advantage of Croatia's new digital nomad visa and went to work from Croatia. So I think, I think this work from anywhere trend is super exciting Um, for crazy people like me that have their lives kind of spread out across different countries. I think it's really, really exciting. It opens a lot of opportunities. Um, I would say just from my point of view, the one piece of advice I would have connected to working from anywhere is, is kind of twofold. Um, one would be to, you know, to really find ways to stay connected both to your local community. So to wherever you're working abroad, but then also to your employer. I think there's a little bit of a risk with working from anywhere that you just become kind of a, you know, nomadic tourist. And I think you kind of miss out on a lot of opportunities to connect and really uh, fully, like, like you said earlier, fully immerse yourself in the culture, right? And then I think on the other hand, with, with your employer, um, I do think it remains very important to get some sort of face time, whether that's, you know, traveling once a year to meet with them or finding some creative ways to connect online. I think that remains important in terms of finding sponsors and learning from your superiors. So, you know, big picture, very excited about work from anywhere, but just with a couple of kind of notes of caution there. Yeah, that's really, I'm glad you pointed out the notes of caution because, and getting the sponsorship because that matters. I think, yeah. I think some people um, think that you can just pick up and do it anywhere totally. without actually necessarily telling your employer, but your employer needs to know because they've got compliance issues, they've got payroll taxes, they've got laws and things that they've got to follow. So you really do need to let your employer in on the fact that you are no longer maybe down the street in St. Louis and that you are actually in Croatia or Beijing or uh, Costa Rica or somewhere. So yeah. that's, a, that's a great, but it is super exciting exciting. I would personally love to pick up and do that at this moment, and maybe I just will. (laughs) Uh, uh, Looking a little further into the future, what other kinds of global trends do you see emerging in the coming years, you know, that our listeners, people entering the workforce need to be aware of and prepared for? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, when I reflect a little bit on my own career, I think I've, you know, obviously it's been a windy dynamic international career, but I think ultimately the space that I'm most interested in working at is kind of this intersection of business and impact. And when I think back to 2014, I did an internship at the U.S. Chamber of Commerce Corporate Citizenship Center, and that was really very, very nascent, uh, you know, corporate social responsibility. It was just a budding field at the time. And I think over the past 
seven to eight years, what we've seen is just this explosion of, let's say, impact-focused careers. Um, and I think it's interesting just for a second to comment kind of on sustainability careers. It's, that's, that's a topic I'm quite interested in. Out of the my MBA, I went to work for Anheuser-Busch InBev in procurement and sustainability as part of their global leadership program. And while I was there, the head of sustainability who was reporting into our um, procurement officer actually was promoted to have a, a seat at the at the CEO's table, right? She was promoted to be the chief sustainability officer. So I think with time, what we've seen is sustainability has moved from, let's say, more of a communications role to now being really integrated into all different business functions. And I think with that, for sustainability professionals, you see a lot of specialization happening. So it's no longer just, I'm a sustainability professional, but it's like, I'm sustainability plus procurement, sustainability plus supply chain, sustainability plus finance. So I think that there's a really interesting opportunity there for people to specialize. You know, if I think if I could go back and start my career from scratch, I think I would have maybe done a little bit more of a deep dive on sustainability because I think that is an area that, again, will no longer be a nice to have, but will continue to become more and more built into the DNA of companies. And I think it's really exciting. That's great. Yeah, I I agree with you. Super exciting and glad for that tip there. So I was going to ask you how students can do this, but you say take a deep dive into something that's interesting to them. So it could be sustainability. It could be diversity. It could be any types of impact issues that somebody is interested in, right? Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, obviously I did my MBA. So the MBA is unique in that it is more of a general degree, but I do think it's, it's worth students taking some time to think through really where they want to go with their careers and whether that MBA is more suitable or whether they really want to do something more specific, in which case I would strongly recommend something much more granular. Um, And specifically when it comes to sustainability, something much more specialized, you know, whether it's in any of those other fields that I mentioned um, or like you say, something even not just, you know, environmental sustainability, but something broader in terms of d- just general impact. Um, so I think, I don't know, just, you know, for me, it's been very exciting just to start in 2014 talking, let's say about CSR as more of a fringe issue. And now and more and more, it's just becoming such a, um, you know, key and central to, to different businesses. I think it's, I think it's really exciting. Yeah, well, I can attest to the fact that it was CSR was fringe. It was actually not even fringe when I did it 20, 25 years ago. It was just kind of like a vision, a mission statement you put on the wall, and that's kind of about it. Yeah. Um, you know, cause-related marketing effects, that's it. But now it's, it is it is revolutionized companies, and not only with their output that I see, but also to attract new hires, right? Because um, Absolutely. Yeah, it's really an important aspect of um, – of hiring for uh, companies and organizations to attract top talent because that that matters to people. So great, awesome, um, Claire. You have pursued an international lifestyle from the get go, which is um, you know, I'm it's, I'm just thrilled to read about your story and to and to talk with you. Um, but you know probably better than I do that not everybody believes or even understands the value of a global mindset, let alone picking up and doing their undergraduate, the graduates working all over the world, moving all over the place all the time. Some students may be saying, you know, that's not for me. Sure, I want a global job. I want to be based in X city in the U.S. and travel a lot. Um, That's not necessarily um, what globalization is all about, right? So what do you say to people when they say, why'd you do it? Or, oh, you're throwing your career away maybe. Or what what advice do you have for students on the role globalization will play in their careers? Yeah, I mean, I think you're 100% spot on that it's, you know, 
kind of whether you want it or not, I think globalization will play a role in all careers. I think if there's anything we've seen during the pandemic is how interconnected we all are, right? And how interconnected supply chains are, networks are. Um, so I do think it's really important for people to, um, you know, obviously I'm biased, but to go get those experiences abroad whenever possible. I think it's really important. Um, I think to just kind of a specific call out for students, I think if anyone's on the fence about going abroad, I would just like to underline uh, the unique position that you're in as a student and to really take advantage of that, right? So when you're a student, I think you're able, for example, to reach out to people who are abroad and to have conversations with them, right? To say, hey, you know, you're a GW alumni based in Shanghai. I'd love to have a conversation with you. I would say people are much more willing to open a door to a student than they are to, you know, just another colleague or peer. Um, I think the other thing is there's a lot of, there are a lot of programs that are specifically designed either for college students or for, let's say, immediately post-college students. So, you know, there's a lot of government programs like Fulbright. There are a lot of really cool international master's programs that are actually based abroad through international universities. Um, and again, I think uh, it's just important to to educate yourself on these on these programs. I think that's one thing I've heard a lot is just, you know, when I talk for Google about my exchange experience in Italy, people say, oh, I didn't even know you could do that then or I didn't know that was out there. So I think it's really important to use this kind of precious time as a student and really research what's out there. And then I would just say, again, um, in case anyone is on the fence, that I think it's good to go early and to to plant the seed, because I think, um, you know, just, you know, as life goes on, things tie you down, right? My dad has always said that life is like concrete and it starts to set over time. And I think I feel, you know, when I look back on my career, I'm just so grateful that I, um, you know, that I had the opportunity to go abroad at such a young age. It was um, really a pivotal turning point in my life, right? So um, definitely pro, pro, you know, international experiences. And I think you're totally right that to be prepared for this kind of inevitable, you know, globalization that is just exploding. It's, it's important to um, have these types of experiences whenever possible. Wonderful. Thanks for sharing that. And you've given some great, great advice so far. Is is there a piece of advice you wish you'd been given, you know, or that or you'd you'd like to give your younger self? What are some of the lessons? Yes, absolutely. I think two things. One is um just to embrace your path. You know, I was um, you know, when I was getting on the plane to go to Italy, a lot of my friends were going off to college and and having different experiences. And I think um, it's really easy to play the comparison game, especially at that young age. And I think just to, you know, embrace the windy path, I would say too, this is a much more pragmatic piece of advice. And this is actually something I got from the, uh, Teresa Dunn, who was the d- director of the American chamber of commerce of commerce in Qatar. When I was interning there, she told me, Claire, if you're going to have an international career as an expat, open up a Roth IRA now. Um, so again, maybe it's it's a little too pragmatic, but I think it's important to note that if you are an expat, you're probably not going to be contributing, for example, to a Roth IRA or to a 401k, um, or you, you may not have access to the same schemes as, as someone living and based in the U.S. So I think it is important to kind of you know, educate yourself on, on the financial aspect as well. 
That's a really uh, excellent advice. Thank you for that because we often we often um, gloss over the the practical, pragmatic ones such as that. And some countries in which you work, um, we can work. There are these forced savings, if you will, in various countries around the world. But sometimes you cannot access them until you hit a certain age, and then you have to follow the laws and and everything and languages. And so so it's important. That's great. I like that. Thanks for that. Absolutely. Yeah. So excite us. Tell us what is it like to be living in Italy, in Milan? Yeah, it's a good question. I think, you know, it is, it's fun. It's, I, I think I feel very lucky because I have this awesome network of um, colleagues and classmates from my MBA that I still am very much in touch with and I'm seeing on a daily and weekly basis. I think for me, I'm kind of a, I'm a vegetarian, but also a foodie. So kind of, you know, you know, for me, Italy is basically paradise. And I think I love just the easy access to great food, great wine, great vintage clothes. It is really fun to, to be based in Italy. I think, you know, maybe just to call it a specific experience, I spent actually the Halloween weekend in a little city called Alba. So they have a yearly truffle festival there. And uh, we also went during my MBA and then we went back this past year and uh, we did what we called Alboween and just enjoyed, again, good food, good wine and um, had a little Halloween party there. So it's been really good. I think for me, being a girl from St. Louis, Missouri, I, I continue to pinch myself at these types of experiences and just feel very grateful to, um, you know, to get to continue to live and work abroad. So yeah, it's been, it's been a great journey. That's wonderful. Well, you made it happen. You made it happen for yourself, which is terrific. So kudos to you. Kudos to you. This has been such a... Thank you, Stacey. Yeah, I could, I could talk to you for hours, I'm sure. But <laughs> um, before we wrap up, Claire, is there anything else you want to add that you want to share to make sure that our listeners, listeners take away? I think, I think touched on a lot. I mean, I guess my, my comment is I'm always happy to uh, be a sounding board. So anyone, please feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. Um, like I said, you know, it's for me, it's been a great journey and I'm uh, happy to continue to share my experience and also to advise others who are interested in taking this crazy windy international path. So, so feel free to reach out. And I think Stacy, I just wanted to say a big thanks to you. This, I think, is really an awesome resource that students can have. And it's something I definitely wish I would have had back in my uh, student days. So thank you for, for putting this together. Oh, that's great. And thanks to GW. And for anyone interested in getting in touch with Claire, her LinkedIn uh, profile is on the, the GW website where you've accessed the, uh, the podcast. So thanks, Claire. It's been terrific. Wonderful talking with you. I really appreciate your taking the time. Thank you, Stacy. You have been listening to the GW Cyber Global Careers Podcast. Join us again next time. And in the meantime, go global.